With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Pretty quiet weekend in boxing, so why not bring in one of the least quiet people in all of boxing? Lou DiBella, longtime boxing promoter, boxing broadcaster, boxing uh, television producer. He joins me, and we talk about all the big-picture topics in boxing, from judging to fighters getting vaccinated, to the Teofimo Lopez-George Cambosis fight. Uh, we get into the various broadcast networks that are having various degrees of success. And if Lou could promote one fighter from this young crop of top guys, who would he pick? Great conversation with Lou DiBella. As always, best way to support the podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right, slow weekend in boxing. We were supposed to have the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury 3 showdown in Las Vegas. That fight was scrapped weeks ago, of course, because Tyson Fury came down with COVID-19. There's an interesting fight on Saturday with Joe Joyce, heavyweight contender. He's back in action, but it's relatively quiet in the world of boxing. So I figured I'd tackle some big picture topics here on this podcast and who better to tackle them with. But uh, one of my favorite podcast guests, the guy that gets irrationally angry for absolutely no reason, who makes phone calls to reporters in the middle of the night, who just loves and hates boxing in equal measure, the great Lou DiBella, president of DiBella Entertainment. What's up, Lou? It's a little bit of a double-edged sword, bro, because you guys call me in the middle of the night regularly. That's fair, but there's equal amounts coming out, calls coming out than going in. I mean, they're equal. There are fewer and fewer ways in boxing to entertain yourself. I'm taking advantage of the few left. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, all right, Lou, I want to talk on a tackle a few subjects here. 
Uh, and I want to go back to this past weekend because this is still newsy and it's, I'll explain why it's newsy in a minute still. Uh, we had a good fight between Brian Castaño and Jermel Charlo in Texas. Castaño, Charlo for the undisputed 154-pound uh, championship, a back-and-forth type fight that it looked like Castaño was uh, controlling. The early rounds, Charlo made a late surge in the final three. It ended in a draw, which would have been okay, I guess, except for the one scorecard submitted by Nelson Vasquez, who had it 117-111. In layman's terms, he had it nine rounds to three in favor of Jamel Charlo, which is absolutely absurd as a scorecard. Uh, let me get your reaction first, Lou, because this is not the first time we have had score bad scoring in boxing, and it well, won't stop, be the last stop right time. there. Stop right there. Not the first time. When was I'm the just, last time you? When is the last time you've seen a significant show where there wasn't some example of bad scoring on the card? I mean, they're few and far fact, between. Let's go back. Let's go back to this past Saturday night, where that, which, by the way, kudos to Showtime, the match and the and the matchmakers involved. The, the fights were entertaining. I thought two. I disagreed with two of the three decisions. Now. The first decision, I thought Aleem won the fight by a couple of points, but acknowledge, I acknowledge it was a, a competitive close fight and there's disagreements. So I, I don't think they got it right. I feel bad for Aleem, but I don't think they got it right. Now, in the main event, I don't think it was a draw. I think I know who won the fight. That's what I immediately tweeted at the end of the fight. I just watched this. I know who won. I'm afraid of what I'm going to hear. Okay. Well, the draw and the one point for. I don't know how you give a 10-8 round, honestly, to, to Charlo in that round because there was a round earlier. Round Charlo, yep. Charlo was held up by the ropes, and arguably that was a knockdown. But put that aside, it, it was a reasonable enough decision for that judge to make, and neither one of those scores was inappropriate. I can see how you could have watched that fight and thought Charlo landed the bigger blows. Charlo hurt the other guy twice in the fight. Uh, it's, there, you know, there's an awful lot of, of subjectivity in scoring in general. So... I'm not willing to castigate a judge for a score I happen to disagree with. And I disagreed with it. But that one score was completely incredible, indefensible, and makes you wonder why. Makes you wonder why. And, and the problem with the, the scoring that is so often atrocious, where there is almost always a card that's absurd, is it makes you wonder why. And it goes to what I've been saying for the better of 25 years that the whole system of judging needs to be fixed. The whole system where there's no standardization of expenses, accommodations, nothing, where the ratings organizations are involved in the selection process of judges, where judges attend conventions and hear the agendas of sanctioning organizations that are paid on the basis of a percentage of the fighter's purse so that there's always an innate animus toward the fighter who's the with associated with the bigger money promoter or the bigger money platform or or the fighter being the star himself that's a cash cow and and the whole system is corrupt it's not corruption in a criminal sense of a lot of what's going on right now is within the rules you know why there are no rules there are no rules and that's why I mean, it's not criminal behavior. People are taking advantage of a system that's inherently flawed. That's that's a big issue. Here's the other so thing. Wait, let, let, let's what, before what, you continue. Okay, before you continue, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can, you can get to your second point, but I want to talk about that system for a second because the system is 
completely fucked up. It is. For people that don't know, boxing judges are effectively employees of the promoter. The promoter flies them to the event, puts them up their expenses, pays for their fee. Now but we don't we don't select them though. We don't well, select them. Well, to a degree, right? Because depending on the state, you you can you can have a big voice in the selection of it. Like Texas. No, you can actually have a voice. You can have a voice in trying to negate the selection of someone that you can point to specific reasons to cancel out. Yeah, but well, in terms of- but but you can also Lou, you know this, and like you and I had a long conversation about this the other day. I had a long conversation with other promoters and matchmakers about this. Certain states you can affect. Like Texas takes the recommendations of promoters and sanctioning bodies far more than say Nevada does. Nevada well, also, is more inclined to give well, you a list and say true. you can we're also, whoever you we're want. Also a, we're also a global sport. Right. Imagine how it is in the UK where there's one completely dominant promoter and the BBO, the British Board of Boxing Control basically sort of answers to that promoter. The system is flawed around the world. And there were no checks and balances, none. So how do you fix the system? And like what, if you were in charge of all this, how do you fix the system? I don't any longer. I'm done trying to figure it out. Like, oh, on, but saying, there's gotta be a solution to it, right? No, there like, really isn't a solution. Here's the solution. Do away. I mean, we need, the whole sport needs an enema. Like the whole system of governance needs to be changed. And, and, and it's almost shrug your shoulders. It ain't going to happen. You know, I mean, that's the issue. And, and, and here's another one. The biggest story last, last weekend, Chris, wasn't the 117-110 score and that being a big story. The big story was it's not a big story because it happens so regularly. And we're so regularly having these kind of conversations. And nothing ever changes. And if you don't think that the, the complete lack of credibility of decision-making, decisions, judging, refereeing, the whole system of governance of boxing. If you don't think that's one of the major reasons that the sport has gone through a multi-generational decline, then you're not paying attention. I agree, but I go back to the idea that promoters are paying for housing, flights, and the fee of these judges. Could you imagine that before game six of the NBA finals at the Milwaukee Bucks paid for the flight lodging and the three referees that judged the NBA finals. And Lou, some of these fights are like decisive games of the NBA finals. They certainly are impactful for both fighters. Okay. But here's the other thing too. If, if you're promoted by one of the major quote-unquote promoters, because one of them is a promoter, but he doesn't call himself that, but one of the major avenues in boxing. And and the guy has endless funds. Putting the, the judges up at the Four Seasons or the Weston or the Ritz-Carlton becomes, becomes an option. The judge privately calls and says, I'd like to bring my wife. Someone pays for an airplane ticket. No one gets reported. In fact, I'm not even sure technically it's against any rule. And, and, you know, whining and dining, doing a dinner where you take the officials out to dinner, it, it, this, I don't find anything wrong with that. You're on the road for a period of time. But if you're, if you're allowing someone to have a culinary tour 
of five-star restaurants at the promoter's expense, um, that ain't kosher, but it's not illegal. And there's no, there don't appear to be rules that govern it. I mean, I own, I don't own, I, I, I am managing partner, managing owner of two minor league baseball teams that are now controlled by the commissioner's office that, 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 that are major league baseball entities. Um, umpires is very specific, standardized accommodations, standardized dressing rooms. Same certain, thing with basketball referees. Okay, it's the same concept. The boxing's the I my quote that I've been giving for all of my entire career of 32 years in boxing is it's Dodge City, it's a red light district, it's lawlessness, there are no barriers to entry, and there are basically no rules. And the sanctioning bodies for the most part can do whatever the hell they want, though there are quantum differences, and I'm not going to get into specifics. It'd be too damaging to me. There are quantum differences between some of them who are more kosher than others, who do the best they can do. But frankly, the system's broken across the board. Let me ask you this. You have had some elite fighters in your promotional career, from Bernard Hopkins to more recently Sergio Martinez. Have you ever felt uncomfortable by a request from a judge? Yes. In what way? I wouldn't do the stuff. But also, I felt more uncomfortable knowing I, I got really uncomfortable right from the get-go in my 11 years at HBO because I would sit there with promoters on the road and hear the requests they were getting and that they were meeting, including what hair color the judge preferred of the person that was going to visit his room or suite, as the case may be. Okay, now... To me, that was all hearsay, right? So, I mean, and there was, I mean, I'm not going to repeat any of that. But I was conditioned to understand how messed up the system was and talk about it, including in front of Congress in hearings in the 90s when I still worked at HBO. Did I get requests I was uncomfortable with coming out? Yeah. Um, the have, you ever felt, have you ever felt that by not fulfilling a request, that it could cost your fighter. Yes, but I still didn't fulfill generally the requests. Now, that being said, if it was like a change of flight thing or something that I thought was a reasonable request, even if it cost a couple of bucks, if I didn't view it as tantamount to asking for something that I think is completely morally reprehensible and inappropriate, um, those kind of accommodations I might have made. But in terms of quid pro quos, I haven't done any of those. But then again, I, off, I also, where I've given to WBC charities, where I've supported certain events and in, initiatives by the ratings organizations, I don't write giant checks to pay for the convention. I don't write giant checks to pay for uh, uh, a particular conference or dinner. I, I don't send big wedding gifts or, or uh, you know, birthday gifts to, to ratings organization officials or heads. There are a lot of things I just won't do. I'm not the only one that won't do them. But do I think being willing to do them has an impact? Of course it does. Do you believe quid pro quo has happened in boxing? Yes, but not in the sense that some people, like people want to say criminality, lock this person up. I think it's more a whole system that's co-opted. Now, that being said, do I believe there have been situations where people have gotten envelopes? I'm not aware of any of them, at least anything more than pure rumor. I'm not aware of anything I can point a finger to. I will ask this question. Why? are so many of the diciest, most questionable, most apparently inept officials consistently 
appointed to the biggest fights? I, I do not have an answer to that question. I would Why love- are, well, then I'm going to throw, I'm going to put, I'm going to put your profession a little bit on, on the, the burner here. It's fine. I read baseball. I mean, I'm a baseball nut. I own two baseball minor league. I mean, I'm part owner of two minor league teams. It's my favorite sport. Always has been. Boxing's been number two my whole life. Okay. The stuff that goes on here that boxing writers just shrug their shoulders about largely often to maintain the access they have, largely often to keep whoever's paying them happy now that people are getting paid by streaming services and networks that are directly controlled by particular promoters. Why, why is this not the kind of story it would be if it was baseball and Jeff Bassan got his hands on it? Passive, because the yeah. whole system is rigged. The whole sport is, is, needs an overhaul. And guess what? I'm 61 years old. Just turned that. I can't believe it happened to me. I turned around one day and I'm 60. But you know what, man? I'm, I'm, I have no illusions about anything changing unless, you know, maybe it's like the addict that needs to hit rock bottom, right? But you would think we've gotten most of the way to rock bottom on a number of occasions. Now, in, the, in recent years, we don't appear to be at rock bottom because people have been spending a lot of money. But if you really analyze the spending of the insane money the last few years, it's hard to see that there's been an appropriate payback in terms of fan growth, demographic change, any of that kind of stuff. Because I'm not seeing that, and I don't think you are either. I'm not seeing yeah? that. I would, say, I would say two things to what you just said. One, I think it's more important in boxing to root out the corruption than perhaps it is in any other sport. Not just because the integrity needs to be maintained, needs to be maintained in every sport. Because, but because the cost to an athlete that winds up on the wrong end of these decisions is incalculable. Let's use Brian Castaño as an example. If Brian Castaño had won that fight against Jermel Charlo, there was no rematch clause of the contract, no language that indicates what Castaño would get paid for his next fight. I think we both would agree, Lou. Castagna would have made multitudes of millions more if he had been justly awarded the decision and then got the rematch with Charlo as opposed to whatever he's going to get in this subsequent rematch whenever it happens. Okay, that's that's everything you said is 100% correct, but I'm going to take it one step further. Brian Castagna didn't get it that badly. And what I mean by that was I think he won. It was a horrible scorecard. I don't think it was a draw. But... Charlo is a hell of a fighter. It wasn't, an, a, a, anyone who thinks it was 9-3 the other way also wasn't watching, I think. Um, and Castaño walked away with his two belts and absolutely a future stream of big revenue. How about the guy that's fighting in the challenge that has the fight of his life and wins? And they take that night away from him. And now the press immediately... You could walk out of the fight, get raw blind, but the next day you're the loser. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and a lot of those guys never get to that moment of making money. That was their moment to get to that point, and it never happens again. And they're more avoided. And, the, and on their record, the loss still is there. Imagine, like, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I got to go to some of the – to think about the robberies, but it would take me time. But there have been so many fighters that, that should have had – that moment of elevation to the big money, the big attention, the, the, the championship status that went on 
to leave the sport destitute and brain damaged. You know, I, the thing that's getting me about the sport, and, I, and, and look, I know that I've, I've threatened, I've, I, I've had an unabashed love-hate with this sport my whole life, and including the entire 31 years I've been in it. Everybody who knows me in the press knows that. It's part of the reason why a lot of times I get real critical, people shrug their shoulders, that whatever. But I am, I am jaded to the point of no return right now. And, and I haven't experienced in the last couple of weeks were very significant to me. I'm involved. I mean, I, I went to an event that was a fundraiser for Iran Barkley and some other fighters who've been damaged physically and CTE wise by the sport. And I saw friends, Mike Tyson showed up to, as, in support. He was there, Michael Spinks. There was a room full of fighters, every one of whom I have had a relationship with over 31 years, all of whom I consider to some degree to be friends or friendly acquaintances, every one of them damaged, the majority of them broke. And then you see the unfairness of the judging, the decision-making, um, often the refereeing. Look at the career, Mark. Marcus Brown has made a, a crazy, I'll give you an example of a robbery. Marcus Brown fought uh, a kid named Hot Rod Kalachik that I promoted at, Madison, at Barclay Center. It wasn't even a close fight. It was, and, and there were multiple incorrect uh, decisions made by the, the referee that almost appeared to be purposeful. They were so bad. And then even with those bad decisions by the referee, it was clear who won the fight. And it wasn't Marcus Brown. Well, Marcus Brown's had all sorts of problems, kept him out of the ring a lot, but Marcus Brown's made a lot of money. That other kid's never made shit. Okay? And he won that fight. And, and, there are so many examples like that that exist. And, and, and when you see the scorecard that, what's the judge's name, Vasquez? Was that the name? Nelson Vasquez, who, by okay. the way, just less than a month earlier, had another pretty horrific scorecard on another fight. Yeah, but, but guys, the guys that have the horrific scorecards, look, let me tell you something. Give me a good judge like a Steve Weisfeld, and I'll go through a lot of other ones. And if there's well, a no, hold on, Lou, this this is what I want to do with you, just to kind of put a button on this. This is my the other part of my theory that while I think systematic change needs to happen in boxing, that's a lot to ask for box to undertake, especially without a governing body with every state operating by its own rules. But can't we all get on the same page that the main event of every televised card? should be judged by a pool of five judges that are determined to be the best. Stop with, you no, know, no, stop with on, the Let five. me finish. You don't need more. You don't no, need more you judges. Don't. You don't need more than three judges. You don't. No, well, you can't. I mean, look, I just, No, you really I don't. You. Honestly, you don't. It's, 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 you could have third. I've Give said me this, your list. I've said, I'm not going to give a list, but I've said this Steve on Weisfeld the is one. Glenn Feldman is another. Dave Moretti is another. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of very good That's ones. what I'm saying. And by there the are way, some part of the point I want to make is I can point to one bad decision or one bad card by every one of them, I think is terrific. By yes, the way, it happens. It also happens that a great umpire has a terrible strike call. Correct. Or a guy makes a mistake in a baseball game, and then you hear the umpiring crew the next day say, hey, we blew that call yesterday. Right? Where are yeah. the checks and balances? Why are these same shitty judges time and time again appointed? There's no oversight. There's no check and balance. You know, that's the issue. The, the, if the system doesn't change, 30 judges sitting six inches apart for one another around the ring scoring it isn't going to change the fact you're going to have bad results. Yes, but it's some of it, Lou, you say some of it's on the media. You're right, 100%. 
but I want to see more promoters. If they okay. feel like a judge no, is bad, if they promoters. feel a judge is bad, you've got to stand up okay. and scream uh, about uh, it, or at least okay. tell people about it so they can make okay. it up. First because of all, the hindsight is a lot. It's a lot to deal with. The well, I would take, I would have knocked this guy off. I don't buy into Chris, that. Chris, Chris, I don't pretend to be a choir boy or Mother Teresa, okay? But I call out every fucking bad decision. I mean, all you got to do is look at my. Timeline. No, no, I'm talking beforehand. Beforehand, these judges I, I, that I, should I, not I, be I, there. I, I mean. You can go on my timeline also, and I've, I've made the point of saying, why is this judge appointed? I mean, I don't want to name them right now, but you know who the horrible judges are. So well, many of Do you want to see, I mean, do you want to see Carlos Sucre back in Texas, the guy that gave uh, Julio, uh, Juan Francisco Estrada the 117-111 card against Chocolatito, which we both know is total nonsense? Yeah, I also don't want to see some some guys that were judges, were decent judges 25 years ago, who right now, for no fault of their own, through age and loss of eyesight and hearing, yes. are still being appointed to big judges. Which events. is amazing, too. Not to be an ageist, but like there, there's, there are some judges that are probably too old to be doing this job at the highest level. But, which but is it's like, not there a are ju- there referees not, you know and things what? like that. I'm, I'm not being ageist. I'm not being ageist. I'm, 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 not, I'm just saying. In a, if a normal sense of oversight... A lot of judges would be disqualified. Some of them would be uh, elderly. And frankly, the majority of them would, they would just be incompetent or corrupt. I mean, that's just the truth. Here's the problem. Here's the other problem. And again, no one wants to write about it or talk about it. We were in a much more free market in boxing in, in, for a long period of time um, than we are right now. And what I mean by that is you have three, bo- you have three entities that are de facto almost exclusive you know, to somebody or more than one person. You know, the zone, it would be Eddie and, and to a lesser extent, Golden Boy. PBC is obviously Heyman World and, and Aram and top rank RESPN, okay? For all the arguing, and, and I have heard Eddie call out bad judges in fairness. I have heard Eddie admit and, and Aram also acknowledge horrible decisions but the system favors the guys with the most money, the biggest bank rolls, and the biggest platforms. They can, they can say stuff publicly all they want, but pro- privately, they have no incentive to change the system. And guys like myself that are need to do business with everybody and are scampering and hustling to keep their fighters busy. And by the way, if we didn't exist, 75 to 90% of the fighters in the world wouldn't have a place to fight. Because the three main guys can't sign everybody, right? And, but, and, and good things good things come out of that. I mean, I was watching, you know, a guy that was unheralded, Williams Zepeda, you know, who fought on one of those NBC cards recently, come out and stop Hector Tanahara. Like, I agree with you. These fighters need, you know, the, the quote-unquote smaller promoters. Well, that I mean, but that I'm not, I, you know, interestingly, I'm not really a smaller promoter. I have a big stable of fighters, but honestly, I'm, a, I'm behind an eight ball. I don't have an exclusive deal anywhere. And I have fighters who no one would sign who I brought to the precipice of titles or to titles that look to leave because I don't control a platform. So, by the way, I mean, I ain't going to be Aram and King doing this into my 80s. That ain't happening. You know, but here's the sort of point I'm making, Chris. We all yeah, first of all, all, first of all, yes, it is. Yes, it no, is. I swear to God, it won't. Okay. We'll make a, we'll, I've heard this I for guarantee 10 years. you it's not. I guarantee you it's years. not. I okay. guarantee you it's right. not. Okay. But but here's another issue. If all the other promoters in the world aggregated to try to change the system, the power still lies in, in, in the number of entities you can count worldwide on less than two hands and 
in uh, Europe and North North America on one hand, and and that's where the and it's not really in the interests of those guys to change the system. And let me give you another example that takes us out of judging for a second, but takes us to another area of uh, of ridiculous self destruction that our sport puts itself through. The plethora of bogus champions. Okay. If you have three separate sides of the street, and more often than not, in fact, almost always, fighters don't cross over to the other side of the quote-unquote street, or in this case, three sides of a street, or three, three intersecting avenues, okay? They don't really cross over, right? And therefore, having a shitload of champions is in the best interests of those platforms and those promoters. They can bark otherwise all they fucking want, but it's not true. Same way, believe me, if they if the promoter has the fighter that's the 800-pound economic gorilla, they want that franchise championship so that they don't have to be bothered ever with being forced to fight anybody they don't want to fight. I so, they, so, so there's a lot of like, oh, yeah, I don't like the system, blah, 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 blah. But then the system is absolutely serving the interests of those in power, as, by the way, is the case with most most unfair systems that operate, whether it's politically, in terms of governance, in terms of anything, in business, in anything. You know, the interests of those, you know, I mean, who got richer during the pandemic? The guys who were the gazillionaire billionaires. Those are the guys that saw their wealth grow. And who was served most? By the, the system that's sort of destroying the core of, the, of boxing, it's the entities slash promoters slash platforms that are in power. Yep. I agree. Um, I think that you're never going to get rid of these secondary titles because the WBA cannot be shamed. WBC doesn't care if you criticize their franchise championships. But it is, to your point about the media and broadcasts, it is incumbent on media and broadcasts to not just refuse to mention these titles, but to also shame them whenever possible. Now, Make sure people know they're ridiculous. I don't want to. There are good state athletic commissioners. Okay. There are good what's the, state what, athletic commissioners. What's your point there? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. No, no, the, no, no. The you got to let me finish. You got to let me finish this point. Okay. okay. But for the most part, they're political appointees and hacks. And for the most part, they're toothless. If a state commission basically said, I'm not letting that judge judge here again, something might change. It's they, they have legal authority. If a state commission says, I'm not recognizing this horrendous decision because it crosses over into the realm of total incredibility, then things might change. But on no level is anyone doing that. No, not at all. Not at all. I agree. Um, all right, let's move on for a second. Uh, I want to talk about the COVID pandemic and how it has impacted boxing. Uh, it impacted you in a big way with Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis getting postponed. Still no date at this point for that. Maybe it's in October. Maybe it's in Australia. We don't have a lot of clarity there, but that happened because Teofimo Lopez was not vaccinated and he caught COVID-19. Tyson Fury only had one shot of the vaccine. That Delta variant reportedly ran through his camp and infected him. The fight that was scheduled for July 24th is being postponed as well, or has been postponed as well. As a promoter, Lou, 
you know, you are putting your money on the line to set up these fights. You know, Triller lost some money. I'm sure somebody lost a lot of money on the Fury Wilder card being canceled just 10 days before that fight was scheduled. Do you think promoters, and I, I say this directly to you, would you mandate that fighters get vaccinated before you put them on a show? Uh, now the now the fact that I have a Harvard Law School education is going to pop out. Okay. You, you really can't do that. I mean, Why you not? could make a, you could do in a well in a purse bid situation like occurred there, like the, the highest bidder won the fight, but under IBF rules, there's no rule that says you got to poke a needle in yourself, no matter what. Now, a nego free negotiation can operate. And, and I could say to a fighter, if you don't get that, but, but then the fighter goes for breach of contract. Like I've had numerous fighters get COVID and have to pull out of fights. And then they come to me as soon as they're well and say, now get me a fight. And I'm like, well, guess what? I don't have one for you right now. Right. But I can't, right. I can't legally enforce. You see, the a court just upheld, I think it was one of the universities saying that in order to come back to school, students need to be vaccinated. Um, but but forcing vaccination or attempting to force athletes to be vaccinated is the reason the leagues really haven't done it because it, you'd get huge legal challenges and you yeah but fights. hold on Lou Lou you're right but just Thursday I don't know if you saw this but just Thursday the NFL issued a memo and to paraphrase it what they said was if a game is forced to be canceled because of a COVID outbreak and if that COVID outbreak is determined to have been caused in part by unvaccinated players or staffers. The team that had the unvaccinated players and staffers will be financially responsible for that loss of a game. So the NFL, as a sports league, right, is taking that's, the first big step. All right, but I, I see an innate flaw with that. So, so guess what? So uh, Tish, Tish and the Mara family gets crucified if the players refuse to get vaccinated and there's an outbreak and the Giants can't play and it hurts economically. Well, I mean, my guess is, I'm going to just guess this, that Steve Tisch is vaccinated. I, I, guess, I would guess he is too, Lou, but I would also say that this will put pressure on owners to have language in player contracts that said, look, if you're unvaccinated, it's, it might cost you X if you catch the virus. That's what I'm saying to you. Okay, you well, I, fighters, I guess... though, But if you get fighters, don't you have to protect yourself? Like, I'm looking out for your money here, man. Like, don't you have to protect yourself if a fight gets canceled that you've been building towards because an unvaccinated fighter? Now, uh, you know, I can't force that. I have a contract. My contract doesn't say a fighter has to get a vaccine. And and I can't afford to, to basically unilaterally change a contract and wind up in court with all my fighters because legal fees are incredibly like significant. And there are lawyers out there that just want to touch boxing that will, that will, that will work for free on any bogus claim. But um, can't you put that into new contracts? Like say you've got a kid from the Olympics that you're trying to sign and he wants to sign with you. Can't you put that into new? Why is it any different than a, a Delta flight saying you have to be vaccinated to get on it? Um, well, first of all, most people, and, and, and by the way, this extends across the board, almost every major promoter. There are more fighters in the last 12 months that have been released that are being signed. They have. That's just a fact. Um, so it's not really, I mean, look, it, it would be, in my mind, requiring a vaccine and a promotional contract, uh, I, 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 you're inviting litigation. Honestly, I still believe that. 
And yeah, I believe, I believe, the, shirt, and I believe the NFL can say what they want, but there's, they, have, they have collective bargaining agreements. They have players associations. And let's see what happens if, if this really happens. And we've had already loss of income in other sports where there have been, there have been teams that have had, by, and by the way, through irresponsible behavior, in some cases, outbreaks. And uh, you, don't see the, you don't see mandates of vaccinations well, in those sports. I, I get it. Lou, you're, you're right. But add yet to the end of that. Because what the NFL did, I think, starts the process of getting to that place. I think no, the you know NBA is going to do something similar. I got to tell you something. I think, it, I think it had a different reason. I don't think the NFL believes that they can go to court and enforce all this stuff. I don't. However, what the NFL is saying is people are going to be their held. owners. Well, they that's can... right. And what the NFL is saying is you can be held accountable. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of pressure on owners, general managers, coaches, et cetera, to bend over backwards to push the athletes and everyone working for the team into getting vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think that the intent may be more on that end than a real belief that we can enforce human beings getting, you know, to force them to have uh, needles stuck into their arms. I, I, at the moment, unless uh, a lot of law changes, that's, that's a difficult proposition. You know, here's the other thing. It's easier for a league. They have a normal, uh, like they have a commissioner's office. They have a commissioner. They have officials. They have rules. They have collective bargaining agreements. They have, they negotiate with unions. They have, it's a whole different world. Boxing's Dodge City. Yep. You know, you're not going to be able to enforce that in boxing. I I just think I'll say this. I'll say this. The fighters themselves are out of their effing minds, particularly out of their minds. I mean, understanding how brief their careers are and and understanding that losing a cycle of pay is money that may never come back. Losing a year of your career is money that may never come back. Allow Completely me. agree. It's not it's not like basketball where if a guy has to sell for two weeks, he's still getting paid and there's no cost lost to him. Tyson Fury may get the 20 plus million to face Deontay Wilder in October, but everything gets pushed back a little bit and there is a cost at the back end. 100 percent. Uh, a no. significant cost. Yeah, and look, you're involved in a fight right now that looks like it's in some jeopardy with Teofimo and George Cambosis. To put a button on all this, uh, do you have any idea what's going on with Teofimo and Cambosis? I mean, I know, I know, I know what you know that Triller indicated that they wanted to move the thing to October in uh, in Australia, um, and that there's big resistance from the Teofimo side, and that right now there's potential litigation but at the moment there's hearings and appeals before the IBF but but in, in my mind you know they won that purse bid and whatever you want to say they were doing that event June 19th I know yeah. because my staff was already in Florida I know because all their production people were and the fighters were and I know that they must have lost God knows how many countless millions certainly in the neighborhood of five to ten you know, a money that because you couldn't insure for the pandemic and you couldn't insure for a fighter getting COVID. And and um, and the idea that a fighter comes back then and says, well, now I'm ready to fight. So you only got 90 days to get me back in the ring. I mean, from a standpoint of, of fairness and equity, that doesn't move me very much. I'm also kind of over Teofimo not wanting to go to Australia. I mean, you're a world champion. Australia, I would presume, will be able to get a lot of people into a venue sometime 
in October. You can tell me better than I, you know better than I, how popular Cambosis is in Australia. I mean, when do we get, how do we get to the point where guys are only fighting in the United States? I don't really understand that. Well, look, the other thing is Australia and New Zealand have really insulated themselves from big, big outbreaks. And right. every time yeah. there's a case. Not well, though, by the way, they're, they're Australia, I believe, last time I checked, is having some issues. But you know. Yeah, yeah, but their, their idea of issues over here would be considered We'd maybe right, right. it's a low number outbreaks to them is different than outbreaks. i mean a, a couple i mean I, I don't i don't even know if anyone's died in australia like during this whole pandemic i'm not even sure I would, but but if you're I, I understand the issue is the 14 day quarantine that's part of the issue for tfema i mean that's an know, absurd issue if you're making a house like i mean come on you're making three you're making three million dollars i'm with you i love i love tfema but i i would go and you know it's it's got to be cool to win a fight like that you know, in Australia, like in front of a big hostile crowd, everybody's had to do it at some point. Every top fighter, at least in previous years, has had to do it. Um, I don't really, I don't really follow. Look, that part way. of their argument is also, I mean, the part of their argument that that maybe you give the most credence to is uncertainty. But guess what? We're all living through uncertainty right now. The Yankees and Red Sox were canceled a few days ago. You know, yeah. well, the I'm sitting in court in a case that really largely hinged on on uh you know the, the wouldn't the probably case wouldn't have existed had there not been uh in, interruption of the business for covid while i'm sitting there spending legal fees i'm reading the sports pages and something got canceled the day before and look at the fear right now there is about the olympic games that's yeah. going on right now in tokyo and the cases that exist in the olympic village yeah you know and by the way we have the olympics going on right now in a country that only has a 40 percent threshold a vaccination for COVID. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, by the way, shout out to your uh, lawyer, Alex Dombroff, who is a huge Yankee fan. They suck right now. So tough beat for, well, beat for I, the I Yankees. Mean, look, I, Alex has to deal with the fact that, that finally, for the first time in a long time, I get to, to make fun of the Yankees and as a Met fan. Because so. we, we are in first place. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking up new users with an epic Olympic bonus. Just place your first bet of at least 10 bucks on any Olympic sport and get a $200 bonus. 200 Bet at least 20 and you'll get a $200 bonus. That's a bonus up to 200 bucks, regardless of the outcome of the bet. To get you started, here are my Olympic picks. U.S. men's basketball to win the silver. I know I said it. The silver. Remember, you'll get the bonus on any Olympic event, baseball, soccer, track, doesn't matter. When you place your first bet of 10 bucks, that's it, or more, between July 19th and July 27th. Promotions like this are just one of the reasons I love betting with America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Listen, it's easy to use, it's very safe and secure, and the payouts are fast, yet paid generally little as 24 hours. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code BOXING. FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code BOXING. I'm on it every day. And go for the gold today. That's promo code BOXING. 21 plus and present in Indiana or Jersey. First online real money wager, only for risk-free bet, refund, and bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max bonus, 25 bucks a game. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call one 800 9 with it in Indiana or 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey. I want to move to something different and tap into your, your knowledge as a, a former television executive. 
It appears, according to a couple of reports, that Canelo Alvarez is going to fight Caleb Plant on pay-per-view. It'll be Canelo's first appearance on pay-per-view since his fight against Gennady Golovkin back in 2018. Back then, Lou, Canelo and Golovkin were doing a million-plus pay-per-view buys. Since then, we have seen the pay-per-view market start to disintegrate. One of the biggest fights of the year, or at least a year ago, was Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder. It had the full force of ESPN and Fox behind it, and it could not do a million pay-per-view buys. Now, you can say there are reasons for that. Fury is from the UK. Wilder, while being a tremendous power puncher, was not incredibly well-known in the United States, but the numbers are the numbers. I'm wondering, how do you think a Canelo Alvarez return to pay-per-view is going to do? It's not an easy question to answer, okay? And one of the other things you have to consider is a lot, you know, I love all the numbers that get put out by different writers that get their information from different people. And you read one place that an event did 800,000 and you read from another writer, it did 600,000. And then, look, I've been in the pay-per-view, I was one of the innovators, founders of the pay-per-view business. Seth Abraham, Mark Taffet, myself, yep. Greenberg, we were at the, the inception of pay-per-view. Everyone's always fudged the numbers a little bit. But now there's wholesale fudging of the numbers. And Unless, you... Luke, I'll, I'll let you continue. I'll let you continue. But you, like, if HBO, which is a publicly traded company, if HBO puts out a number, it has to be true, right? Like, if they put their name on a press release, doesn't it have to be true? Like, no. I mean, they, they can't. But can they no. lie in a release like that? Um, a lie and fudge are two different things. Theoretically, I mean, like the numbers would have to like wait, wait, line wait, up with the revenue my, and things Chris, like that. Chris, 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 you're a sports writer, bro. Like you're in arenas all the time. They're owned yes. by major corporations, right? You've been in rooms and they announced the attendance in the room and you know that the numbers are fudged. And the same thing is true on pay-per-view buys. And right now, who can even count streaming buys? Like, there's no resource where you can go and find out what the streaming numbers are. There's no way a press guy could be certain of anything he's reporting about total pay-per-view and streaming buys. Okay, start with that. Then there's wholesale theft. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've been going just on my looking on my Twitter timeline and seeing guys stealing feeds and having them up on Twitter where you can see that nine, nine, you know, nine thousand people are watching. It's one of the reasons Triller sued all those people after the Jake Paul fight. And, and, and you know, so this wholesale theft, right? On top of it, Caleb Plant is, a, is an excellent fighter. He's had some fights that have done decent ratings for free on Fox. Um, he's well known to hardcore boxing fans. But if you turn around to the boxing, the base basketball writer sitting next to you at any game you're covering, and you no say, idea. hey, you know who Caleb Plant no is? They're going to have no idea. No. Canelo, though, is at the, the height of his stardom. Yes. Okay. So it's hard for me to judge. It's a it's a credible fight. Do I think it does Canelo does better than Wilder and Fury did? My answer would be probably. Right. So you Maybe. think Canelo plant exceeds a million buys then? I don't think that the last Fury Wilder fight exceeded a million buys. I had heard it was around 859, and that's from that's from people who told me also that 1.1 was the break-even number. I think the last, I mean, I my sources that I talked to, and I'm not I'm not pretending that they're incredible, but you got to remember I worked in the cable business for a long time. I right. know the satellite people. I mean, I, I think the eight eight fifty might be closer to reality. 
in my mm-hmm. in my guess, but I don't I can't prove that. Me, if it did a million plus, I'm I'm happy it did. That's good for the business. That being said, um, there's wholesale theft. Um, I I don't think plant crosses over to the casual fan so much. Um, and I don't know the extent to which the casual fan will buy just because it's Canelo. But I mean, my gut tells me it's probably in that seven, you know, in that same, like I'd be, I'd be sort of surprised if it did a million homes and I would be surprised if it did less than 700. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's sort of what I, but I don't, I don't pretend to fully be able like to say to you, I have the resources to give you accuracy anymore because, you know, streaming is a meaningful part now of pay-per-view and there's incentive on people's parts who are looking to sell their companies or raise money or whatever to mislead on numbers or fudge numbers. Um, and there's very little way to prove them to be uh, not credible. So I, I really, I'm making an educated guess, probably educated to a greater extent than most of the people who are listening, but not educated enough that I'd, I'd even be counting on what I'm saying. No, that's, that's fair. Um, I, that's why I asked the question. I do believe you would understand and be able to give a more insightful answer than, than most anybody. I, I'm with you on when numbers get reported, and I've had this conversation with promoters who have flat out told me they lie when they're speaking off the record about pay-per-view numbers. They, they, have, no, they have no incentive not to. There's no disincentive to lie. So why not just reveal it and to try to pump up their guy? The only person that knows at the end of the day is the person counting up all the money and divvying it up to the fighter, to the promoter, to the network, whoever gets a piece of that pie. That's the only people. You know, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'll say this too. I don't know the, the real numbers. I have no clue. Okay. But I do have a good sense relatively where people stand in the, in the, in the, in the, in the hierarchy of saleability and marketability. I mean, there's no question Canelo's the guy. There's no question Fury, Wilder, Fury, Joshua at the right time frames, depending on where you're talking about, are going to do substantial buys. There's very little question to me that that Tank Davis is a bigger attraction than almost all of the rest of the the stable of fighters that any of the other promoters have, other than the other people I'm mentioning. Um, does that mean Tank Davis is doing half a million buys or 350 or whatever? No, it just means even the 210 he just did is superior to most people or the 200 he just did is superior to most people. He clearly is an attraction in today's boxing world. But, you know, it's, you know, so much of entertainment now, not just boxing, but all sports, movies, TV series are on a transactional basis. A month fee for Netflix, a month fee for you know, for Peacock, Hulu, go through the list, uh, yeah. a monthly fee for DAZN, um, ESPN Plus. I mean, it's endless. There's not an endless tolerance people have to keep spending money on a transactional basis, particularly in a sport like boxing. I, I agree. I Although there are some people that are like, I've never, social media, which is the cesspool that it always is, but I've never met the group of people there that are like, platform groupies where it's like Canelo reportedly is close to a deal to fight on pay-per-view and I'm getting tweets because I'm 
part-time broadcaster over at the zone be like, ah, the zone lost Canelo. I've never seen people happier to be paying an extra $75 Lou. I've never seen it. Like these people are actually No, they're happier. not happier. It's just the same core group of probably sub a hundred thousand and number nerds yes. that live and breathe and die that take sides. I'm pro PBC. I'm pro the zone. I'm pro ESPN. Oh, every who get in any other sport you ever hear. No. I have never heard like publicly people, fans raving about what agent an NFL player should sign with. No, no. I, well, I mean that, yeah, sometimes. Not like Scott I mean, Morris very rarely. You know, you get, I mean, you get, if someone's I mean, with a total clown. I, get, I, take, I take your point. I've always said, like, a fighter shouldn't care, like, what platform he's fighting on. He should care about making the most money for himself. And a fan really shouldn't care about what, they're, uh, what platform they're watching on. It should be all about the economic value of, of, of what you're watching, of what you're seeing. But you got to I mean, ask yourself, we're getting, like, coming soon. Look, I mean – I'm not anti-PBC. They, they, they are no worse or better in my mind than anybody else. And they honestly, there's been, there's been some pretty good matchmaking on some there of the stuff recently. Um, the same way, by the way, I, I sent the note to Robert Diaz that I thought there was some pretty good matchmaking on the last. They've had, they have had two good shows in a row. And this right, is coming and up and August 14th. I literally contacted Robert to say, hey, good job, because I noticed. Now, yeah. do I know how many people really watch those shows? I don't. But 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 the quality of the programming was solid because the matchmaking was solid. Okay, right. but you look at some of the stuff that's going on prime time to the largest possible number of viewers on Fox, where there are guys who are three and zero that no one knows fighting in main events, where rematches of prospects that lost to some nameless guy are finding their way onto national TV in prime time, and you ask yourself. Is any of this in the long-term interest of the sport? And now it's almost like with the exception of like the Showtime show last week, the couple of Golden Boy shows recently, look, there are, there are shows that are good programming that, that, that are out there. But there's an overwhelming number of shows that simply aren't. And it's almost like to, if you want to see the stuff that really matters, you better be willing to dip into your pocket for it because you're only going to get it on pay-per-view or by subscription. And that's yeah. not good for the health of a sport, any sport. Yeah, I agree. All right, I want to get you out of here with two quick things. Um, we talked about this a couple of times in years past where I've sort of asked you to put your free agent network uh, executive hat on and decide which one you'd want to work at if you could pick any of these networks based on where these networks are right now. And I'm talking about the core group of them, ESPN, Fox, Showtime and of course the zone. If you could be the head of boxing at one of these networks, as you're thinking about the long-term future of each, which one would you be? I don't think PBC is a network. I think it's a brand. Well, I'm talking and, about and, Fox, Fox and Showtime. Okay. You know but I mean? Fox, it doesn't really matter because like I have look, it's no secret that my relationship with Al wasn't what it used to be, right? But on another, you, you don't hear me bad mouthing the guy very much, and I have tremendous respect for his his abilities and what and, and what he does. But Al's a micromanager, and it's no accident. Every single fighter, what are you what are you doing next? Ask Al. I mean, Al's the guy, and uh, on that brand. And right now, there doesn't seem to be a lot of of uh, quality control emanating from those networks. Um, I would like to be. 
hired by another substantial network or streaming service that's not in the sport right now, or one of those three, if they elect to remove themselves from exclusivity and open up to the entire world of boxing in an attempt to make the best fights happen. That's what I would honest, that'd be my honest answer. Uh, and, and, um, and also DAZN is a little bit of a business model difference, I think now, um, than the other two a little bit. They're, they're clearly more concentrated on the global market than, than concentrated on the American market. I mean, ESPN basically is completely concentrated on the American market and PBC, you, you know, and ESPN, they may use the foreign marketplace as collateral revenue and distribute rights, et cetera. But, but DAZN's business model is very different than that. And frankly, in today's world, Eddie's, because of the UK being such a boxing crazy country, this, you know, it's easier for Eddie to grow out his tentacles across Europe than it is in the United States. And frankly, boxing's bigger in your, in, 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 in uh, UK than it is in the US and potentially bigger in Europe and the Far East and elsewhere than it is in the United States. So, I mean, Eddie's not going anywhere at the zone. Um, they're even, frankly, I think you could argue Golden Boy's uh, sort of power there or secondary exclusivity there pales now in comparison to Matchroom. Um, I really wouldn't potentially really want to work for any of them. And also not, for, you know, I, I really wouldn't because unless they're going to change, if ESPN said, I'm going to do a deal with Aram and Aram's going to have X amount of budget, but I'm opening up to the rest of the world. I mean, the rest of the, the boxing world, then that would probably be my choice. You know, the, I often, mean, I, the, the, the often counter argument to what you're saying, Lou, and I, I hear this from, you know, network executives all the time as well. We work with Joe DeGuardia. We work with Kathy Duva. We work with Lou DiBella for some fights. I mean, is that not opening things up in your mind? No, they, I mean, it's really, I mean, they work, they don't work with us. Every, I mean, I have a kid that's likely if the Olympic games go through, I'm likely to have the super heavyweight gold medalist. I've seen okay? yes. What's it? What's his story? Jalalov, back at your Jalalov. I mean, he's yeah. a tremendous talent. I mean, he's six foot seven. He moves like he's, he moves like a light heavyweight and he punches holes through walls and he's a beast, you know? Um, and he really is sort of still an amateur. I got him, I've got him eight wins as a pro, but I never extended him beyond six rounds and he his contract allowed him to pause it as he did almost more than it wasn't paused to enter amateur tournaments um but i if that kid wins a gold medal i shouldn't have to go through anybody else to get a deal that's absurd yeah. you know and and um and fighters shouldn't have to look to leave the promoters who got them to where they are because they know that at a certain moment in time, that promoter has to go to someone else. So they're not open to other people, really. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, but really there's no exception at ESPN right now. And, and there's no exception at, 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 at PBC. I have tremendous respect for Al, and you're not going to hear me badmouth Al. But you don't work with Al. You work for Al. And, and, and the reason, and by the way, I, I mean, Al did a lot of good for my company and my career for a long time. And I'm not going to tell you he didn't get to make a lot of fighters rich. And I'm not going to sit here, even though I may have issues with him and badmouth him, because, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for him. And for a number of years, I benefited from that relationship. But part of the reason why the relationship doesn't exist is the same reason why 
I didn't elevate the president of HBO Sports or HBO because I'm not great at working for other people. That's fair. Um, all right. I want to get you out of here with one last thing. Uh, you talked about talent. It's a good segue there with this young uh, super heavyweight that you've got signed. If there was like an expansion draft, Lou, of all the fighters that are out there, I'm looking specifically at guys age 26 and under. And I say 26 specifically because I want to include Gervonta Davis in this mix. If you could promote any of them, you could sign any one of them to a long-term promotional contract, who would you take? It'd be hard for me to narrow it down to one. Um, All right. You, of course you can. Would you narrow it down to one, please? Under 26 years old. Uh, I'm going to give you a handful. I'm going to give you five really quick. No, that's not, that's not, no, I can give you five too. We want one. You're the promoter. You can sign one of them. Take one. Assuming he's gotten his act together, Ryan Garcia would be high on my list. Davis is right there with him. Um, Why Ryan over Gervonta? It's it's, it's a reasonable it, point. It's a reasonable you know, I, I don't decision. Know. There's I, a lot I of reasons could, for it. I think you could argue both sides of it, frankly. But honestly, at the moment, if you were really looking at performance right at this second, um, probably Davis is ahead of him right right now. But I just think the social media savvy and the 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 crossover to different demographics would have put Brian high on on, on my list. Um, I, you know, I, I really can't really pick one because I don't really view. I think Dave. And then if I'm looking at some some tremendously talented guys like like uh, Boots Ennis, uh, Boots Ennis, Teofimo, uh, Devin Haney. I mean, these are the guys that are usually on. I mean, that Haney, list of- Haney. I mean, they're all in that in that sort of category, you know, um, a, a lot of it's going to depend by the way, of course, Stevenson is in that mix too. Stevenson, they're all in that. There's a lot of them. I mean, as a guy, there's an upcoming kid who I love as a person and as a talent, Brandon Lee, uh, yep. is another kid big that puncher, I really like big puncher. You know, there, I have, a, you know, I have a couple of kids that I know with opportunity would be, would, would be stars, but they wouldn't be on the list right now because those other guys are so far ahead of them in recognition, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, part of it's also related, Chris, to where you get the platform. The zone, I'm really admiring what they're doing at the zone right now in terms of having refocused themselves. They're clearly having more success now than they've had since their inception. And I think the guys running it understand where they can make inroads. American sports rights are simply not available but they are around the world and they're grabbing soccer rights and important rights and, and other sports. And they're doing boxing big time now in the UK where boxing is a huge sport, but you're limited in the number of people that see you, you perform when you're performing only on a streaming service, you're limited with the number of people who see you perform when you're only performing on pay-per-view. So some of it also goes to where are you going to get the platform? You know, where are the most people going to see you? Where can you break through to be a breakthrough star? I mean, if Davis is never going to fight live on Showtime or network television again, and he's only going to be on pay-per-view, now he's going to generate a hell of a lot of money doing two, three, four, even four, 500,000 buys. But it's not crossing you over like a, 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 you know, a Giannis or a LeBron James or a, 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 an Otani 
or a star in a major sport that's being seen regularly in front of, you know, an audience, potential audience of 100 million people or hundreds right. of millions of people. Right. I agree with you there. One thing about Davis, one reason I would probably take Ryan, I would take Ryan over anybody in that group. Uh, Gervonta draws massive crowds in multiple cities. He is a bona fide superstar, but I question his overall talent. And I do it because I don't believe that the people that handle Gervonta Davis really believe in him. I've said that. Like if they believed in Gervonta Davis, who is not some 21 or 22 year old, he's 26 and will be 27 in November. He is in. Can I strongly? Hold on, hold on. Wait, you can finish. I'll I'll let you jump in a second. But this is my point. 26 now, 27 in November, with the opportunity, if he wanted to, to fight Teofimo Lopez for the unified or undisputed championship, whatever you want to call it, to fight Josh Taylor at 140 for the unified or undisputed championship. He has both those opportunities basically in front of him, and his team does not want to do it. Instead, and you and I both know this is true, Lou, he is going to fight somebody we've probably never heard of, or he's going to be a big favorite against sometime in October or November. That tells me that his team does not believe he has the talent of these other fighters. Okay, I'm going to tell you that I have as many questions about how Ryan performs at the top level or Haney performs at the top level um, as I do about Davis. I'm also going to tell you I'm going to disagree with you on that one because I'm not going to say they don't believe in him. I'm going to say they believe in the almighty fucking dollar. That's what they believe in. And here's what they believe in. Risk-reward assessment. If they can keep letting him fight small guys, and he's generating multi-millions of dollars between the gate and the pay-per-view performance, they're simply making rational business judgment without regard to legacy or pound-for-pound status. They're making economic risk reward they're, they're fooling they're fooling some people like they're fooling people like, i had this argument two weeks ago with my friends ak and barack who have gervonta davis in the top 10 pound for pound which is wild since he hasn't beaten anybody really of consequence with respect to jose pedraza and mario barrios these are not high level wins and, uh, Lou, all i'm saying is that if you're like made with a promotions like, I'll let you get in. I'll let you get in. Hold on. I'll let you get in. No, stop, stop, stop. I'll let you get in. If I'm, I don't want to hear from Mayweather Promotions about how it's the Mayweather model. Floyd Mayweather, before he became Money Mayweather, was doing some incredible things. He was fighting Gennaro Hernandez at like 20 years old. He was fighting Diego Corrales. He was fighting Jose Luis Castillo. He was fighting all the top guys. He went to Jersey to face Arturo Gatti. Before he became the shot caller, he was doing what he had to do to prove himself. Gervonta Davis, to this point, has not done that. So he's not neither is te- the Mayweather Neither is Terrence Crawford. And, 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 and you probably have a separate him conversation. Your, I mean, all right, but you probably have him in your top five, right? Or top three, right? T- Terrence Crawford, though, is the, was the undisputed champion at 140 and a legitimate title holder at 147. So th- those are real things. I, I, um, I, I, I'm, not a little, I'm a little bit less harsh in that assessment of Davis than you are. I, I Do I think he's top 10 pound for pound yet? No, but he's probably, I mean, he's one of those guys that's in that area knocking on uh, the door. We could make a list. You probably have to get to 15 or 16 before you. I mean, maybe, but, 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 he, but, but he ain't that far off with another good win or two. And frankly, one win over a Haney or a Ryan Garcia. I agree. Oh, I right completely there. agree. I, I want to make one, one good point. I, I want to make a very important point I didn't make earlier. And I'm not going to get into discussions of, of individuals. But a lot of the reasons why some of my decision-making regarding 
who I would, when you ask the question about who's the one guy you would work with, it heavily relates to the people around that fighter. Who's that fighter's corner? Who's that fighter's manager? Who are, who are the people in that fighter's ear? And literally, I will disqualify and have disqualified some of the fighters on the basis of answering those questions that I'm simply not going to answer to you, but, but I keep to myself. But there are fighters I would absolutely not pick as my number one choice because of who is surrounding them. Okay, that's fair. Uh, all right, Lou, we'll leave it at that. Always good to do this. We, we're actually reasonably civil. There was not too much yelling at each other. I, I think I've mellowed substantially, by the way. I mean, uh, not really. I think if we found, if we think we found the right pressure point, we'd probably start yelling at each other. Yeah, I know. I know what our future conversations will try to do just that. There'll be something. Lou, good to talk to you, man. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Lou DeBella for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And we will see you next week. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.